Hi, this is Eric Scheffler, the Sheriff of Atlanta County. Each month on the Hope Exists podcast, I will discuss how we can create a healthier and safer community right here from the Boys and Girls Club of Atlantic City. Through my conversations with local and national experts, I believe we can all come away with a renewed sense of hope and actionable solutions to move us forward as a community. Please like, subscribe, and share. Special thanks to the club team, Tiffany, for co-hosting today's show. Today, I'll be speaking with the community healthcare workers and educators, Kara Peek, Mike Davis, Victoria Martinez, and also joining us will be Stephanie Cook, the CEO of Atlantic City Boys and Girls Club. On today's show, we'll be discussing community healthcare workers for COVID response and resilient communities. Well, let's go around the room a little bit and we'll let you all introduce yourselves. Tell me a little bit about what's going on, how you're involved in this community healthcare worker program, who you work for, where you're from, what's your favorite food. We'll just keep going. Kara, how about you? Hello, everyone. My name is Kara Janae Peak. Um, I'm I was born and raised in Atlantic City. I got started with the COVID educator program back in March. Uh, it was a program started to help the community bring awareness in regards to COVID, getting information out to the community uh, in regards to COVID letting the community know that we have different resources out there to help not just vaccinations, things like that, but also community assistance where they can go to get assistance, whether whether it be for housing or food as well. That's great. And, you know, a lot of we, we talked earlier before we started the show about some of the projects that you know, I implemented in our area, and, and that's the reality of it. Although your program is based around covert relief and, and the ability to access those services around that, um, we don't turn people away, right? People in need, there's a reason for that. And when, when we tell people in need that we're, uh, well, that's not really the area that I specify, and that creates, you know, havoc, right? That creates people being desperate. And, and unfortunately, desperate people do desperate things. But when we meet people where they are in the community and we, we help them and access regardless of what else we do um, and we have those resources, we can change communities. And the basis of the Hope Exists podcast and the Hope Exists project is based about creating healthier and safer communities, right? So we're all kind of in this together, right? Michael, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Michael Davis. Hello, everyone. Born and raised here in Atlantic City. Been volunteering here at the Boys and Girls Club about five years now. Got involved with the COVID Ed Project and it's right up my alley. I like to help people, especially the people where I'm from. And what Kara said, you know, this is what we do. We've been involved in this COVID thing since March and been pretty successful so far. Just looking to do more. Uh, we appreciate all your efforts, both of you. Thank you so much. Uh, Victoria, give us a little bit about you. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. My name is Victoria Martinez, and I am the administrator of the Community Health Workers. Uh, it's my privilege working with the sheriff uh, on this new program that we have, uh, linking people to housing needs and uh, vaccinations and food insecurity. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Tiffany, we're going to talk about you a little bit. My name is Tiffany. 
I'm 16, I'm in 11th grade, and I go to Atlantic City High School. Um, How long you been here at the club? I've been here since I was a freshman, so about two, three years. Stephanie says that you're a superstar. Is that true? I don't want to, like, gloat or anything, but, like, you could say that, yes. I do everything. Yeah. Well, we've co-hosted a couple shows together, and, and you're emotional intelligence and insight are far beyond mine so i got a couple years on you so i'm looking forward to get your input today as well so kara and mike uh so you guys both work for the boys and girls club yes right and there's other uh health workers also other than the two of you correct or are you to the the primaries it's just us two it's just you two yes. and who do you directly report to we report to tracy tracy parker okay and what's Tracy do here? Tracy, come in and tell us what she did. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, Ms. Tracy is the unit director over at the Drexel, Drexel Avenue Club. She runs the runs the club for the the preteens. Okay, great, great. Thank you, Tracy. Huh. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing out there. So how are you finding these people that are in need? Um, what exactly? How you're accessing the services? Um, and what are you seeing out there that, that is, you know, because a lot of times we get grants or we get funding or we get hired for a certain job um, and it's not exactly what we believe it to be. And even other times we actually find out that some of the populations that we thought we were going to serve, really it's a different population or maybe it's inclusive of the other populations. I've seen that, especially with our food insecurity issues throughout the county. You'd be absolutely shocked with some of the people that we have to you know, provide food for. But when we talk about food, and, and we're talking about COVID as well, and, and food is definitely part of that, there's one thing about accessing it from the immediate. What I'd like to also hear from you is, how do you access in long-term support? Because immediate is important, don't get me wrong. But if we're not able to support individuals and families in a long-term model, then we're really not helping people. Right. We're just kind of putting a Band-Aid on something. We're putting our finger in, you know, in the hole where the water's leaking. Right. Uh, someone eventually pulls that out and the water starts leaking again. So that was a horrible analogy, wasn't it? <laughs> Did you? Was it good? Did it make sense? All right. Thank you. But does that make sense? So we're looking for long term care uh, to support. So let's back up a little bit because I know I throw a lot at you. It's one of my gifts. Where are you accessing? Where are you finding these individuals that are in need? Like you said, it was you start off and you think you're going to be serving one population, and you have all your assumptions about what's going to happen and how you're going to do it. Like for me, for example, I thought it was going to be the homeless population. So I work I work on the Atlantic City Boardwalk, and you know I'm I'm, I'm close I'm close with a lot of those guys. I talk to them, I have relationships, and I thought that that would be the population that we will be helping most, and they're they're very resistant to the help. They are like you, like you said earlier about you know when you did your pop up on Ohio Avenue, like you only asked for a name, or you didn't even need a name. You only you only took a name because you had to have something. They're so afraid of uh, warrant checks and all all types of things that they won't take the service. So we're finding people uh, by word of mouth. We're finding people by from the internet. You know, you post a flyer at, at the Starbucks or at the barbershop, and you, you're surprised at who pops in when we have our pop-up vaccinations. It's, it's definitely, like, 
are you even from this town? Right. You know, I, I've never seen you before. Right. But they're here, they find a way, and it works. Um, as far as long-term support, I think it, that comes with trust. A lot of the people who don't have access, they simply have a mistrust for whether it be government or you, whatever it is. Like, they don't think that they can get the help. So that trust is the thing I think is best for long-term support. Yeah, and, and I agree so much. I mean, can you imagine two and a half years ago I created the Hope One Project, which is a mobile outreach unit that helps address people in active addiction and with mental health. And the bus is going around, and it has a big sheriff's star on the side and Sheriff Scheffler. And how many people were coming forward when we first started off the streets? Because these people were mostly, you know, some may be running from the law, some may run toward it. Some people were just lost. They thought it was a trap. They literally thought well, you were going to come up and you know, we're going to run you for warrants and we're going to lock you up. It took some time um, to build that trust. And now people see Hope One, they don't even see it attached to the sheriff's office anymore. There are no uniformed cops out there, by the way. And most of the people that are working on the bus are civilians. And they realize now that, that it is about access, and we do help people. I mean, I, last year, month alone, we put 99 people into treatment off the streets of Atlantic County. Uh, and we, I think we did up to 18 people in one day. Um, and we're truly accessing that service for them. Uh, you know, and, and it's important for us to continue to follow the supportive services, but you have to build that trust first. Without that trust, it's not easy. And I think that's where we come into play with the Boys and Girls Club. We're actually hit, um, targeting the community from a different angle through the kids. We're reaching out to the club kids' parents. And like you, like you guys stated earlier, it's a lot of families that may not be documented or have those resources or even know about the resources we offer to the community as a whole. So we are actually helping out the community through the Boys and Girls Club with the help of the Boys and Girls Club. We're um, constantly sharing information, passing it along to the kids, to the um, kids' parents. Sometimes, you know, parents don't want to, depending on how they feel about the vaccination, they may not receive the information. But if you give the children information on the vaccine on the child's level, and they bring it back to their parents, it gets the parents thinking into it more or thinking about the uh, vaccination itself or any assistance that may need to be offered. It's an incredible, really, concept when you think about it um, because we get adults that are, are extremely resistant for to help for many reasons, and, and Mike, you were saying it about it. Um, but if you can access it through the kids and, and the club, and being able to educate, you know, younger people and younger minds who can go back to the family and say, no, 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 this is what it is, and this is how you can get it. And I've talked to, you know, uh, the the people that do do it. I know Tracy, and I know everyone at the club, and 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 they're for real, and they're willing to help help you. And you don't have to show a social security card. You don't have to, you know, show an address. You know, and um, all you have to do is, you know, show up and ask for help, right? Um, what's the requirement? You know, it's interesting. You know, I keep going back to my Hope One and my community health care workers uh, program, but I have partners with over 60 different organizations, and that's why we're able to access help so well and so quickly. 
Um, and these organizations partner with us, and, and a lot of them are service providers. Most of them are in one way or another. And the reason why they partner with us is because when I speak to a group and they tell me, well, you know, for we do the same thing you do. However, you do it a lot faster than we do it. How do you do that? Well, I and my question is really simple to them. Well, what's the requirements to get help by you? Well, you gotta have to be signed up for the program. You need to be a Lancy resident. You gotta be a certain age. And they give me all these things, right? And then they ask me, so what's the requirements for you? And I said, well, you just need help. Okay. Well, you don't have to be from Atlanta County? No. Do you, do you have to be a citizen? No. Do you, do you have to be male between the ages of 18 and 24? And, you know, uh, um, do you have to have, a, you have to be veteran status? Do you have, no. The requirement for us to help you is that you need help. That's it. I once and uh, I, I don't know if uh, Victoria was in the in that meeting. I think she was. Um, we had some of our workers in there, and we were talking about you know what we do. You know, it was community healthcare workers, but you know the Hope One project is very similar in nature of helping. And we talked about some of the things that we were trying to access for individuals, right? And I'll let Victoria talk about who we're servicing and what we're trying to address. And, and one of the uh, new people, I think you were in this meeting, were asking, you know, well, how about this? And how about that? And how about this? And I said, well, let me give you an analogy. And the analogy is very simple. If someone comes to you and tells you that a spaceship has landed in front of them and Martians walk out of that spaceship, you tell them you're going to help them. And you're going to access them the services. We don't turn people away. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your need is. I don't turn people away because that is the whole issue and problem. You know, oh, well, we don't do that, but I'll give you a phone number for someone else. That's not helping people, right? If you need something that I can absolutely not do, then we will access that service for you. We'll make that phone call. We'll make that contact. We'll sit with you on that intake. We will make sure you physically get there. We'll transport you. We'll create ID for you. We'll do whatever we have to do to get you to that next step. And the 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 ultimate thing is, and and Mike, I, I was asking you about it, and this is something that I truly believe in that we have to build capacity for, is we will create supportive services for you as long as you need them. And some people, that's forever. And people hate to hear that, right? You know, they hate to hear that we're going to help people forever. What do you think of that, Tiffany, that we have to support and help people forever? You know, it's not just accessing for you at that moment, but I, you need help forever. I think that it's a great idea. One, because me personally, I love to help people and I love to like support people. All my friends know if you need somebody to talk to, I'm the person that you can come to and help you. So I think that having some services where people in the community and people in the world that can get help forever is a good thing. Right. I, I agree 100 percent. And and the premise is really simple. Anyone in this room not have help? <laughs> Anyone exists today without help? Right. In fact, when you were first born, you had a lot of help. Right. You know, and as you grew up and, and you know, even Tiffany, you, you you still have a lot of support and help. Right. A lot of support. Well, the truth of the matter is, you know, I'm a little bit older than the rest of the room. 
I hate to admit. But the uh, reality of that is I still have support and help today. You know, I sit as sheriff of this county, not because of me, but because I have had continuous support and help my entire life. And I'm going to need more as I get older. So what difference does that make if someone has an active addiction issue or someone that is homeless or someone that has a mental health issue? They're not acceptable that they have support for their whole life, but I am. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's just a different type of help. Right. So we create a stigma around individuals. And we actually what we really do is we judge people because they aren't they, they're not needing the help that I need. Well, I don't believe in that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. We need to help everyone. Everyone gets help. They need support, too. You know, and we have to build capacity around them. And if we build capacity around that long term supportive help, the truth of it is it would cost us less. You know, people say, well, if we help someone forever, it's going to cost us a lot of money. It's already costing you a lot of money. <laughs> Have you ever seen the criminal justice system? It's the largest mental health institution in the state of New Jersey is state corrections. Right? What if we could nip that in the bud, you know, at a lot, lot earlier age and help individuals, you know, two, three, four, five years old, six years old, and really support those people until they can move forward? Wouldn't that change? It would change a lot. Um, I, I coach basketball here at the Boys and Girls Club, and a few years ago there was a, a young kid who got killed at a football game. I'm sure you, everybody's seen He wasn't one of my kids, but I felt like he was one of my kids. And we had my basketball team go through therapy sessions. And to hear, I'm kind of like, getting emotional thinking about it, to hear the things that those kids experience. Like to a, to a man, we have 15 kids in there and each one of them experienced horrible things that children, in my opinion, should never experience. Nobody should experience what they've seen. But especially children should never see that. And this was their first, exp this was their first exposure to therapy. And a lot of them, they were hesitant at first, but once they opened up, it was like the floodgates open. And I think that that, I think that those kids, they got that example of therapy, of, of something that they've never experienced before. I think that it'll continue. Because they were exposed to it, they might be, they, they may go back to it later in life, and it may be something, like you said, you, you catch them when they're in the sixth grade instead of when they're, you know, at the correctional facility, you may be able to shrink that number from the massive Mental, mental mental illnesses in the correctional facility. You, you're absolutely right. And that was incredible. And, and I'm so happy that you were able to, you know, not only access that service for your team, but to, to help promote it and provide it. But think about it for a second. What if you were able to, and we'll, uh, off the, you know, we'll have an offline conversation. So the Hope One Project, as well as the community health care workers I work for me in my office, my foundation, let's talk about supportive long-term services and access for those individuals. Not if they need it or want it later, but today, because that's how we change people. The human mind is not built in, in the capacity to deal with that much trauma. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a Navy SEAL. We're not built to process that. We're built to process little bits of trauma, right? Tiny bits, short term not long-term extended trauma. Our brains cannot deal with it. In fact, what happens is, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, I play one on TV, 
But, you know, my background in, in, in training and education has taught me that, you know, what we do is we create coping skills. And unfortunately, those coping skills are not always positive, right? You know, and you see it all the time. You'd be shocked of the trauma that everyone, you know, all kinds of people, that people you would never think of that have suffered. And some people turn that trauma uh, or that coping skill into becoming a marathon runner, right? That's kind of positive, but you still didn't get rid of the trauma, right? Some turn it into anger and violence, right? Some turn it into alcoholism, right? Some turn it into eating, right? Which will send you to an early grave, right? Truth is, I don't even know how we got on this because it has nothing to do with community health work. No, but it's, it pertains the same way with our community, especially um, our uh, our community around this area, Atlantic County. When you bring up COVID or have when you talk about anything medical wise, a lot of the community that stand backish don't trust the uh, healthcare workers, don't trust doctors, due to past experience things. Um, so. We're here as that barrier to help them, to let them know we're from Atlantic County, we're from Atlantic City, born and raised, and we have information to share. We're not pressuring everyone to get vaccinated. Our job is to give them the information and the resources they can utilize to make their own decision. So when we come, when they see us, they know, oh, I know them from the community. I know them. I grew up with them. So they know that it's no hidden agenda. And we're just here to help give them the resources we have that we may know about or we have available to help out our community, not only our children, but children's parents, family members, anyone. Mm, absolutely. Sounds great. Victoria, tell yeah. us. Yeah. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um I think we all share uh, very like-minded opinions on all of this. And just to piggyback a little bit on what um, Kira, right? Kira Janae. Kira Janae said, um, I think the most important thing is that, that you have to look like the communities that you serve. So uh, it, 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 you know, it makes me very happy to see minorities having a seat at the table. It's critical. Uh, I think that's how you build that trust. Working for the sheriff's department, I've never in a million years would have, I mean, you could ask anybody, oh, would you put Victoria at the sheriff's department? Never. But the moment that I met Shuffler, it just, it was like an instant connection because he is that person. We get people vaccinated that are undocumented. We're going in the backwoods of Pleasantville and Hamilton. You know, uh, just last week we had a family of five and we did a pop-up vaccination event and all of them, they were undocumented. And the woman, you know, she walks in and was at the uh, Puerto Rican Civic Association. Uh, so she walks in and she's like, okay, good. They speak Spanish. And she sees me and she goes, do I need ID? Am I going to need, and, you know, she's talking to me in Spanish. I said, no, you don't need anything. I mean, the truth is, is that you just give me a name. It could be any name. That lifted such a weight off that woman. She's like, you know, third generation here working on our farms, and she got vaccinated. That is a life that is spared because her of her medical condition, she is at the highest risk. She has no medical health insurance. She has nothing. She doesn't get food stamps. She doesn't get anything. 
I gave her my phone number, my cell phone number at that. And I told her, you know, I would like to connect with you. And sure enough, she did. And she popped up at one of our food banks. And we were able to give her and her family supplies of food. And now she, it's ongoing. But it's building that rapport. Because like you said, like everyone's saying, it's building the rapport. They're not going to trust you just the first time. Especially with this, you know, I like this patch. You know, because sometimes it gets me in things. But then it's like, sometimes they're like, ugh. But uh, you build the rapport, and, that, and that's the biggest thing. And in the last two weeks, we got 150, uh, 130 people vaccinated, and we, got, we fed 850 families. We gave toys to over 300 children. You know, it's just, it's remarkable. But I think the biggest thing is the fact that when people say, well, what's your criteria? I'm like, oh, we don't really have any. <laughs> if you need help. I will help you. So before here, we were at a, sh uh, a homeless shelter, and we were helping someone that was at home birth and never had a birth certificate. He was born in 44 in Mississippi. Um, and we got on the phone and made a lot of phone calls. And sure enough, again, having the badge, right, kind of works. And we got, we got the FBI to say, yeah, this is who he is with a younger picture, and now we're getting a birth certificate. So it's not just... COVID vaccination education, because which is amazing, but it's also like you said that what's the long-term plan? It's you know housing. Housing is such a critical need. And me coming from a housing background, coming to Atlantic City, it's enough to make me cry. How hard and difficult. We're not talking about people that don't work. We're talking about people that work 40 hours. People that have families, single moms with kids, doing the right thing, can't afford that rent. Why? Because a two-bedroom is 1600 1700 Utilities are not included. It's, it's just a lot. So even now, we're always kind of working. I guess every time the, the sheriff and I get together, we, we always add something new. I don't know that it makes my supervisor, Jamie, very happy, but we do it. So we're, we're always having these things. We share it to all of our, our partners. But that's the beauty of this. And we're brand new. We're only, like, what, two, three months? Three months. Uh, and we're doing some really good, really good stuff. And I'm, I'm so excited now that I have faces to names, and we can definitely continue to partner. Yeah, there, that, that is definitely a goal um, for the two of you to partner with my team as well, and we'll help each other. Um, because building capacity is part of this, right? And although I know you primarily stay in Atlantic City, or you completely stay in Atlantic City, I'm not sure which so far. So far you're welcome with us anytime, any place we're at, including Atlantic City, um, and working off any of our buses, you know, our, our vehicles, and with our people. Um, because that's the truth. Building capacity changes the ability to service different groups and and a larger number of groups right and we're willing to work with you on in, in any of that way also with the community when they feel and see people that they know and they can relate to it also helps out with um, helping them get assistance or right. helping them with resources they may need so when they feel that connection or they see someone that they know they feel more um, confident or they feel they feel better than they feel more in tune with asking or even getting the information or taking it versus having someone that they're not familiar with from the outside coming in and saying oh you can do this you, you can we can help you with this and they're saying what's the catch well what's right, the catch right, right. and it's it may not be no catch you know There's so no catch. yeah so with that <laughs> <laughs> yes definitely but with that being said they feel more comfortable with 
it, when it's someone they can relate to or they know who it, who that person is. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I so um, the community health care workers. Uh, when was it? Was it this late December? We gave out 600 turkeys and chickens in Atlantic City, and people were like, "What? Well, well what's the catch? Uh, how much is this? Or can I have a can I have a second chicken?" Absolutely. You know, um, well, my, you know, and, and it was interesting because I've been to other, you know, food distributions and a lot of good ones are out there. And people be like, well, I, I my neighbor couldn't come down they're You know, they're not able to come here. But can I can I take another? one? Absolutely. Give them to we're here to help you. We're here to help people. I'm not here to stop you from getting chickens. I'm here to get you more chickens, more turkeys. I want to give you as many as I can. Like, Right, right. No, I'm sorry. You can only have a half. I'm going to let me cut that chicken out. But that's the truth. And that's sometimes the barriers that exist. And Mike, you were saying it earlier. We were talking a little bit about it, is that sometimes some of these programs build these barriers that make it more difficult to access the services than the services themselves. In fact, we're doing the opposite, right? You guys are doing the opposite. What you're actually doing is not only providing a service for COVID relief and building resiliency within the community, but you're also accessing anything else that you can find. That's incredible. That makes a difference. What do you think, Tiffany? Building that capacity out, right? By working together as a team, by being able to access more people and giving them the ability to access more services. So what do you think about how we're doing, we're out there at this point and you know, making those connections? What do you think about that, about building that capacity? Building connections, I feel like is a really good thing. It, like building connections, you can build connections for anything. So like, for example, me building connections with some of the staff members here at the Boys and Girls Club, it can help me with stuff like if when I need to go to college, I got the connections, like if I need help, I can go and get help from one of these staff members and building like connections with them and then them introducing me to like all the people that they know all their connections it's it's like but I feel like building connections is a really good thing and then building connections and then working together to make what you already have 10 times better and my mom always says teamwork makes the dream work so it's so true it's so true so as we move forward Let's talk a little bit about um, our ability to access those different services and what they specifically are. Why don't we start with populations of people that we're actually addressing? I know that... Well, like the populations that we serve? Well, that's easy because we serve everybody. Because, (laughs) no, literally. Um, Right. Uh, We've done a lot of work with um, the Bangladesh community in Atlantic City, and that was... um, we have a, a community health worker, Tahito, and he's been amazing. He speaks like four languages. And and that is the thing, you know, going back to what Mike said, sometimes when you think you're going to service a group of people, you don't realize that there's other populations out there. And maybe you do realize them, but they're hard to reach. So we hired um, someone from the Bangladesh community, and now we have this great partnership with them. And we've been, I mean, just today, I think it was 300 families that we uh, gave food to. Uh, also another uh, pop-up vaccination site and we had two in the last month Uh, so we we got into that community which they are so grateful for because I think sometimes the language barrier and uh, just that fear 
of, I don't know who to call. You know, when they call, they're calling the sheriff's department. But now that we have that we that relationship and we've built that rapport, now they're so excited. They're, they're like, yeah, we're, going, we're calling the sheriff's department. Uh, so them, uh, it's been uh, just eye-opening. But also, there are a lot of people here that are undocumented that work on our farms and that are literally, like, walk. I met with a woman. And, we're gonna actually meet with her family again this weekend at a church, but she walks an hour to the bus, an hour with her children, and they're you know they're under seven, uh, three children under seven, and um, and that's been amazing. And it just took us posting online. She came to one of the food banks, and then after that we made that connection, and now we're serving, seeing her. But it opened up again that door to now service people that are living and providing so much of our blueberries and amazing uh, food. Uh, they're helping us, but now we get to help them. The community we serve more so is that our club kids, uh, their parents, uh, guardians, things like that. I would say we assist more of the African American population within Atlantic City and the Hispanic community. We provide resources from vaccination like she's like you guys are doing. We do pop-up clinics as, as well. We actually have, I'm gonna plug right now, we actually have a COVID clinic coming up. Any and everyone is welcome. No ID is needed, no insurance card, none of that. Just come get vaccinated if you would like. All of our pop-up vaccination clinics will be here at the Boys and Girls Club, 317 Pennsylvania Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Spread the word. We have one March 7th, and the last one is April's 1st. Our um, pop-up clinic is from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Anyone that knows yeah. anyone that's interested in getting vaccinated, come join us. We'll be here at the Boys and Girls Club. If you need any information, please reach out. Feel free to call us. We have a website. Um, you can email me. I'm available. I'm here to talk, spread the word, give information. <laughs> Our contact information is 609-347-2697. And it's extension three. You can ask for Tracy Parker for COVID ed information. Um, you can reach us by email as well. It's carapeak at acbgc.org. M, M. Davis at acbgc.org. Please contact us uh, for any any needs that you have, housing or COVID vaccination and uh, food insecurity at Hope Exists, uh, Sheriff Eric Scheffler uh, at 609-909-7200. You will be reaching the dispatch, the Sheriff's Department. Uh, just ask for the community health workers. That's great. We appreciate that. So, uh, Michael, in closing, two, two questions. We'll do the easy one first. Um, what's your favorite food? What do you like to eat? What's your comfort food? Oh, jerk chicken. Jerk chicken. Oh. Jerk chicken. Um, I like good jerk chicken. Where do you get it? I make it myself. Okay. 
or I'll, I'll get it anywhere. But okay. that's that's why it's my favorite food. Huh. It's hard to go wrong right. with jerk chicken. So do you have like a specific spice packet? Do you make their own spices? How I, you make, I make my own spices, grind it all up myself. All right, give us a little bit of the spices. What oh, are they? Man. Come on. You need thyme. You need brown sugar. You need, it's like It's like just a medley of any and everything, all spice berries. Right. There's like 20 different things that go into this, and you can make it however you like. Are you using chicken breasts or chicken thighs, boneless, Thigh, boned? Thighs and drums only. No, okay. no breasts, no wings, thighs and drums for jerk chicken. You got to use the the low-level chicken yeah. for the jerk. The, the flaviana of the chicken, yeah. the, the thigh. It's the yeah. best part of it, right? <laughs> Um, do you do it bone in with the thighs? Always bone in. Always bone in. Always bone in. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, Tiffany, what's your favorite food, your comfort food? We already know that one of my comfort foods is burritos. Yeah, burritos. I and you make them burrito. yourself, don't you? Yes, I like to cook food, make burritos with my grandmother and my mother. Sometimes we go out to, if y'all know, Moe's. Yeah, welcome to Moe's. Welcome to Moe's. Get some burritos. What do you like in your burritos? I like more of beef or steak burritos. Sounds good. So it'll be like my regular order for Moe's would be a steak burrito with some brown rice, sour cream, add the cheese, their queso sauce. Uh So good. Sounds good. And that's usually what I would get. Carol, how about you? What's your comfort food? Um, I would say I'm a foodie, to be honest. I love all food, but I would say my favorite would be either pasta or seafood. Okay. I can't pick. Do you have, like, a specific place? Like, if you're like, I really want pasta tonight. Do you cook it yourself, or do you do you have some place that you like to go? I either cook it myself or I'll go anywhere. I'm, like, I like to try different restaurants, so I'll never, like, go to the same one twice. I like to, like, go all around. Yeah, there's some homemade pasta uh, places in the area, and actually one of my daughters got one of those pasta machines, and she made homemade pasta. And it's literally, you know, flour and water kind of with, you know, a couple little things in it. And we rolled it out, and we cut it, and I was like, ugh. And I'll tell you what, it was unbelievable. It was, it was unbelievable. It was so good. Um, and I, I'm not a real pasta person, but that homemade pasta, I, I could eat every single night. I don't, I don't get it. it. Like you said, it's flour and water. I know. Like, But it makes such a big difference when it's fresh. Uh, it's unbelievable. It, like, it's, it's so different. I'm, don't get me started. Yeah, food, it's man. so good. It, it actually, I think, it, you know, it married with the sauce, right? It, it kind of like sucked it up so, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was just, and it was so tender. I was like, wow, I could eat homemade pasta every night. Mm-hmm. Victoria. I think it will have to be um, maduros, like uh, sweet plantains. Like I know you people usually have it as a side, but I, I guess when I'm having a bad day, I could just go home and just, just make them. Really? Yeah, those you, are my favorite. Like, I, do you like, do you take the plantains and mush them up and like put chicken and spices and make like a mofongo? I I don't mofongo? I don't make mofongo, but I do just Are you I just surprised do that like I knew what that was. I'm not, I'm not. I'm actually not because we go way yeah, back with right. you eating empanadas and stuff. So right. I'm not really. I you're a foodie, yeah. but um, I, I just love maduros. I don't know. It's and it, it's quick and easy. You could just fry them and then eat them. Sometimes I'll put avocado on the side, but rice and beans is always a good thing too. Yeah. I eat it. I eat rice and beans a lot. 
the, the sweet ones too. or the so the sweet ones, maluros are the sweet ones, and then tostones are the, like the hard ones with the salt that you, yeah. I never, I never knew the difference. Like I just, they were sweet or they. Oh, the I don't think I've ever had the sweet ones. No. Really? Uh, have to try oh the God. sweet ones are the best with rice and beans. You yes. would love it with empanadas. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm now. I so add it to the list, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So as anyone who's ever listened to the show. Uh, I'm I'm a foodie as well, and there's many things that I like. Uh, you have to try two restaurants in the city. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Uh, Lavender 22 in Claridge and Kelsey and Kim's in Atlantic City. Okay. What, are, what are, What's your favorite dishes at those places? The shrimp and grits from Lavender 22 and from Kelsey's. I love their catfish nuggets. Really? Turkey chops. Turkey chops? Turkey, smothered turkey chops. Really? Where's that from? Kelsey's and Kelsey, Kim? Yeah, smothered. All right. We're going. Jamie, walk, <laughs> write them down. We're hitting both of those places. <laughs> Do you have a favorite restaurant that uh, you want to plug? Actually, I don't. No? Because I'm not. I don't really go to restaurants. We're going to have to change that. Right. <laughs> so so my, one of my favorite comfort foods is veal parm. Um, and there's only one place for me to eat veal parm in this area. And Michael, what is that place? Chef Volus. Yes, sir. Um, it's magnificent. Uh, it's one of those things that just get better and better as you eat it. Um, and it's really, I mean, it really has, it's such a high quality, you know, veal parm that it actually makes other veal parms not edible. Right. That's, right? that's, that's the only veal parm now. You can eat. I'm afraid to like. I'm afraid to go somewhere and, and order a veal parm. Even good places. I really have to try that. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's it's just about the right portion actually, Danny. <laughs> but I appreciate your perspective. <laughs> um, it really is good. So um, so we wrap things up kind of with takeaways, right? We'll start with Tiffany. <laughs> What's your takeaway with the community healthcare workers and? and what we're, going, what we're trying to do for the, the community at this point. One thing that I took away was y'all giving the information about the pop-up clinics for vaccinations because I'm not vaccinated and I want to get vaccinated. So I'll bring my mom either here at the Boys and Girls Club or where you're gonna have a pop-up clinic and get my first shot. All right, all right, thank you. Good stuff. Kara? The takeaway I got from this podcast was the resources that's available to the community. I don't think a lot of people know about the resources that's available. The information you guys gave today is definitely beneficial to our community. All right. I like it. Michael, what's your what's your takeaway? My takeaway is that it's the human condition to need help. Um, and it doesn't change no matter if you become successful, no matter if you're you're aged, you're, no matter what, you're always going to need help from the time that you are born. I'm dealing with it now. I got twin baby boys at home. So I'm, you know, being responsible for every little thing for them is, but it, even now at 38 years old, I still need help with things. So it's a realization that it's a, it's a human condition to need help. And the only way to help that condition is to help humans. And that's what we're here doing, and that's what you guys are doing, and I'm thankful to be a part of it. Oh, thank you, Michael. And I'm going to steal that from you, of course, because I talk about needing support throughout a lifetime, which we talked about. But I love that 
because it truly is a human condition. It is the human condition that we need support and help for, for our whole lives, which is, you know, really articulate. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Victoria, what's your takeaway? I, I believe that the leaders in the community are really working toward the same goal. And uh, it's great to kind of connect. And now we, you know, we, we have, we build these connections. Uh, and it, I think we'll just uh, continue to service and help even more populations. So that's that's amazing I, I before this I, I didn't know either of one, either of them and now we have this Our ability to work together to you know build more capacity very like-minded yeah well they have a great leader so um, Tracy I'm talking about no no, <laughs> <laughs> um, no Stephanie uh, Cook of course uh, CEO of Atlantic City Boys and Girls Club which uh, you're lucky she really is a uh, amazing woman and has done some incredible things with that. not only the club but the community at large, which is, you know, the, that's what's impactful, right? Changing people's lives, you know, uh, addressing the human condition of support and help, right? That's what changes people. Um, and I appreciate uh, you being here today, and, and I, I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. I know Will's going to do some great editing. So I just want to thank everyone uh, for being here. Uh, and, uh, you know, look forward to uh, having more conversations on how to create, you know, safer and healthier communities um, through the Hope Exists podcast. So, hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. So, uh, you know, you've heard some of the things that we're talking with the community health care workers. And, you know, just want to get your perspective on not only the program, um, but the impact you think the program is going to do for the community and what it already has done for the community? What it has done for the community is extraordinary. We came up with the idea of the COVID Ed Project because as you know, the club did not go dormant at the start of the pandemic, we stayed open. And immediately we started to see the negative impact it had on all of the progress our 48 Blacks was making. So our team came together and said, how can we continue to be a strong force in the city, but also dispel the myths about COVID, this was pre-vaccination. Wow. There weren't even vaccines yet. But how do we help spread the word to our families that the club is open, we are operating safely? How do we help dispel the myths to our staff that COVID is a real thing? How do we help ourselves to understand and be ahead of the curve in terms of how do we protect ourselves? How do we protect the kids that we serve? And how do we really just be ahead of the curve in terms of what's out there? So we quickly, um, you know, jumped on board with the COVID Ed Project. It's, it's funded through the Southern New Jersey Perinatal Initiative um, and the Department of Health. Um, I was keyed into it through my friends at the Camden Coalition, um, which is, you know, one of the originators of the community health worker model, which was developed in Camden to help address uh, you know, frequent flyers in our hospital system who really have a range of special needs, disabilities, illnesses, critical care is needed. So community health workers go to homes to address care plans and ensure that those folks have the, the care that they need. In Atlantic City, that model rings true as well because we have so many local residents that have such high needs. How do we meet them where they are? And that's a model that the club has really grasped. The community health workers that you met, Cara Janae and Mike Davis, are uh, extraordinary human beings. Um, I, I'm sure that they shared 
and if I'm sharing something that, that, that they didn't take it out. But, um, you know, when we when we wrote the job description for the CHWs, we were on the fence on vaccination. And the question was, do we require the CHWs to be vaccinated or open to vaccination? And again, this was pre-vaccination. And we, we said no. We said, let's focus on COVID itself. It's the COVID ed project. We want to educate. When vaccination became a thing, some of us jumped right on board, some of us didn't. And as the conversation continued, we were able to be flexible with the COVID ed project in terms of the services that we delivered. And if you spoke to our CHWs, some of them that came on that were anti-vaccination are now vaccinated. In fact, the COVID ed project was born out of our Drexel Club. Tracy Parker, the director of that site, took on this extra task, um, which she works around the clock anyway, but she believed in what it was. And I, I looked at it as a development opportunity for her, but Tracy is a rock star in our Atlantic City community. We posted her story, her testimonial about what the club means to her on Facebook a few weeks ago, and over 5,000 people wow. <laughs> reacted and, sh and people were sharing it. My phone was ringing off the hook. Um, so she oversees this and, and her magic trickled down to the CHWs. And she also was not vaccinated in the beginning. Um, when we started to have vaccination clinics, we, we targeted our staff and some of them got vaccinated, some did not. The majority of Tracy's staff are now vaccinated because of her leadership, because of you know, her belief in science and because of her belief in the community. Um, the COVID ed project has changed lives. Um, we did not do it alone. Um, this was existing staff coming together. This was bringing on members of our community, partnering with experts at Atlantic Care, hosting town halls, uh, partnering with the city, partnering with the state. Um, we also had an extraordinary communication specialist from Drexel University who is a, a master's in public health candidate. Um, Rebecca Finkel helped us in terms of getting communication out there. Um, and, and we went knocking on doors, walking around the boardwalk, developing materials that were digestible by the community. Rather than just, you know, cutting and pasting messages from the CDC, we wanted it to have an Atlantic City voice. We wanted people to understand that this is truth, and in order for us to turn the curve of change and go back to where we were, to that progressive state, this is the only way to do it. And we've done it. In fact, I met with the Drexel Club today. I'm doing a it's January, right? Happy yeah. New Year. So I'm meeting with all of our club sites to say, you know, what happened last year? What do we want to happen this year? And wow, thank you. And the first thing that they said to me today was, we stayed open. We're still open. We're okay. And that's what the COVID Ed Project has instilled in all of us. It's given us hope. And it's given us the ability to share information that is truthful and also recognize people for how they feel, where are they coming from. You know, it speaks to our DEI initiative as well. Everybody comes with their own experience. Everyone comes with their own, own belief. But as a community, fighting COVID is a collective effort. And that's the message that the COVID Ed Project is trying to share. Yeah, it really was amazing. We got an opportunity to speak with Kara uh, and uh, Mike. And of course, Victoria was here and Tiffany. And, um, you know, to get everyone's insight and, you know, how impactful 
the project has been for not only what they believe the community is, but for them themselves, which is, you know, really what we're all trying to do, right? We're trying to uh, make sure that we, we create that access and that education for the individuals out there that normally don't have it. And sometimes what does trickle down to them or what they do here is not always truthful, right? Um, and it's a lot of times it's based in fear, uh, not just for them as individuals, but as their communities. Um, and that, again, is something that we've been trying desperately to address. And, and I, I can see that, you know, of course, your your group is doing the same. And one of the nicest things about today really was was the introduction of both our groups together. And I really do, I'm excited about what they could do together um, and working together and, and addressing, uh, you know, the, the capacity building of that resiliency within that community around these issues. So I thank you so much for being here today. Uh, you have any final words for us? I do. I, I, I just want to make a little shout out to Atlantic Care, our partner in the COVID Ed Project. You know, I remember going to the Megaplex to get my first vaccine, and I had tears in my eyes. Um, you know, the operation that Atlantic Care lifted up for our community was game changing. And you know, Sam Kiley has, has stood up to partner with us in terms of offering speakers and the head of infectious disease and, and doctors and a diverse population of people to come to board to speak to our community in terms of vaccination and COVID itself. Lori Herndon did an extraordinary job leading our community through this darkness. Um, and, and so I think it's important that we tout, you know, our local healthcare system um, that really stepped up and, and carried us through this. Um, and, you know, I think the club sees that and sees that partnership with you, with Atlantic Care, is, is really the only way to wrap our arms around this community to have a better day tomorrow. Um, COVID is not going away. Yeah. And when your boots on the ground like we are, you know, we're learning to operate within this new reality because the importance of the work that we're doing is critical to the future of the youth that we serve here at the club. So I'm really grateful that you're giving us a platform to speak to this important, this important topic. Um, and also mimicking that CHW model because it works, it's important, and I look forward to it growing in our community. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that so much, and, and I agree. Lanacare has been a superstar here, and we, they're one of our partners as well. I also have to you know, mention Rowan Medical School, who has also been a partner with us on our grant and has been incredibly supportive not only within Atlantic County, but throughout South Jersey. So, you know, without their help and support and Dr. German and his team, we would not be able to do what we, we could do. And you can see how, you know, the the partnerships is what makes the difference, right? The Camden group that we're communicating with now as well for support and guidance. So it's, it really is that everyone's pitching in. It's it's really an, an interesting concept. You know, we're, we're getting away from those silo um style you know mentality and starting to work together as as a group as a family and addressing you know long-term care for individuals and families so i appreciate you being here and uh you know it's always a pleasure 